Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter number five. I'm going to begin reading at verse number two, and that'll be our text this morning, and we'll come back to this a little bit later. But in the book of Micah, chapter number five and verse number two, the book of Micah is easier to find on your mobile devices than it is in your literal Bible. Have you noticed that? Amen. So the book of Micah, ever how long it takes you to get there, the book of Micah, chapter 5, and verse number 2. The Bible says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Amen. He said, Bethlehem, though thou art little among the thousands of Judah, I've got good news for you. Out of this most unlikely place, there's going to come some things that are just going to blow your mind. Amen. Out of thee, he is going to come forth. That's going to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth from old, have been from old and from everlasting. And so today I want to talk to you about the starting point. Sometimes the starting point isn't so pretty. The beginning of things can be very, very humble, but God has a way of taking those humble beginnings and say, you just hang on, and I'm going to do something powerful in this starting point. God bless you, and you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. Just this week, uh, at some point, my wife and I were talking about kind of reflecting on uh, our young years of being married and and um, just trying to make those adjustments and build your own life together and uh, and and the Lord has always blessed us and we're very thankful for that but I'm thankful for the years of struggle and uh, there have been years of struggle and not just you know not just one time but there's been seasons of struggle and um, we were newly married and and young in life young literally and young in our relationship and uh, we were just doing what we can, both of us working full-time jobs and sometimes plus, just to make all the ends meet. And we've jokingly said, it's not really a joke, but we've jokingly said we probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a frozen Ford hook lima beans and corn on the cob and cube steak. And, uh, and I'm more serious about that than you can imagine. <laughs> that was kind of a budget meal, and we like that, and sometimes I still enjoy it to this day. We eat it for different reasons now. <laughs> and uh, it tastes different now, I'll, I'll tell you that. Starting points. We have to begin somewhere. And I, I said this week while we were talking, I said, you know, when, when you think about it, I wouldn't, looking back, I wouldn't take anything for the years of struggle because it helps you appreciate 
when life kind of levels out a little bit. It helps you appreciate the smoother points of life. And if it hadn't have been for some valleys, then we would really never know how to appreciate the mountaintops if life were just one continuous party. But when we think about Micah in, in his reference here to Bethlehem, and, and uh, we look at this now in light of, of, of where the Spirit of God and what the Word of God was trying to share and show. Geography and navigation are perhaps two of the oldest, yet two of the most important aspects when we talk about the discoveries of mankind. How important geography is and certainly how important navigation is. It was through the ability to know a little bit about geography and to know a little bit about navigation that allowed Columbus to be able to sail from Spain to the Americas in the 1400s. It was that same kind of comprehension, the understanding of navigation and geography that helped Lewis and Clark discover the western slopes of the Rockies and make their way all the way to the Pacific coast. To understand a little bit about what's before you in order to discover some great things that would lie ahead. Men have always determined the course of their travel by, by the lay of the land or mariners discovered their course of travel by depending on the stars. They would watch the stars. It is said that a legendary Samoan navigator, although he was extremely old and blind, could tell the exact location of where his, of his ocean-going vessel was by dipping his hand into the sea and just feeling the sea. And his descendants who picked up that same trait actually became known as the fillers of the sea to be that in tune with the environment, to be that in tune. I think about you know, some of the things that uh, in our world today people have discovered and, and I often ask myself, what made them look there and, and, and how did they come to this knowledge? How, how did this all begin? It, it began many times in a very simple setting. Very many times it might have even been crude. I believe that the, when we think about geography and navigation and how that helps us as humanity to be able to navigate through literal things, I believe the same truth for, for navigational devices is true for the soul of man. We might call this the spirit of discernment. It is very, very important to pray for and exercise the spirit of discernment to know the way of the Lord. As Brother Everett Bird mentioned this morning, sometimes we're looking for a word, maybe specifically to come through the message or a word to come through an individual to say, the Lord laid this on my heart to tell you. But, but sometimes the Lord puts an inclination in your heart. It's just a directive of his spirit. I can remember probably... Probably I would, I would assess this to be one of the greatest life-altering decisions that I ever had to make in our life to, to, that would affect our family and affect many people around us. The Lord never spoke to me an audible word. No one ever came to me with an audible word. It was not a sermon or a song, but I was in a men's conference and the Spirit of the Lord just impressed in my heart and I knew at that moment that the timing was right for us to make a shift in 
in our life. It didn't happen any way like I thought it was going to happen. It was just that still small inclination in my heart. And that's why there must be a spiritual transformation in every life. I know it's been mentioned in our first service. I've mentioned it the last several weeks, but we intentionally spent all 30 days of the month of November focusing on spiritual transformation through daily prayer. Our goal behind this wasn't just for us to pray for 30 days. Our goal behind this was for us to develop the habit of prayer if we don't have the habit of prayer, to have that habit of prayer in our heart and in our lives. Amen. So this maybe, this last 30-day journey, our 30-30 prayer initiative became a measuring stick with how easily we can gauge, or how we could gauge rather, how easily it is for lesser things to take the place of more important things. Amen. Because we had to make time to pray. That's the greater thing. And how easy it is to realize so soon and so subtly those lesser things can elbow their way in and say you don't have time to pray because you need to do this or you need to do that. I think we would all agree that nothing could be more important than prayer. Amen. Yet maybe some days during the last 30 days of this journey, you were surprised to see how easy it was for lesser things to just crowd out the more important things. You see, it's the highs and the lows of life. That is what marked the progress of the soul. I believe that within every life, there is always a spectrum, a rising and a falling spectrum of defeat and victory. I believe that we can see this illustrated in many, many lives. We could probably see that illustrated in lives that are present here today, but maybe a safer and a more, uh, a more centered point would be that of the prophet Elijah. He, we see that, that, that ebb and flow, that feeling of victory followed by a feeling of defeat. One day, uh, Elijah is on Mount Carmel and he is praying a very simple prayer just a few words he uttered unto the Lord and what a powerful outcome of how the fire came down and consumed the sacrifice and the water. But it was just a short time later, if you keep reading, that you're gonna find him despondent, sitting under a juniper tree saying, it is enough. Amen, I believe with all of my heart that every great person is forced into a beginning of their life if they're ever going to amount to anything. We've got to go back to that beginning. I, I don't wanna meander too far here this morning, but I, I was reminded some time ago of a message that Brother Raymond Woodward preached at one of our district conferences, and he set some chairs out uh, down on the platform, and, and uh, he began to talk about how that through life, God will elevate you to certain things in certain places, but but when God takes you to another level, you know, we kind of think we're just gonna keep going up, 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 up. But Brother Woodward began to point out in his message that when God promotes you, and he had these chairs stretched out there, he said when God promotes you, what happens is you move from one chair to the other chair to the other chair, and then when God takes you to another dimension, he takes you back to the simple chair. Anybody ever got a promotion on your job and you just felt like you went back to the first day you started the job? 
It's, it's the same way spiritually. God can take you back to that simple chair. So every great person that's ever done anything of significance for the kingdom of God is forced into this moment of beginning or the starting point. If we're going to amount to anything, don't ever resent the starting point. It's been said many times, but it remains true that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Amen. There are too many people that are just waiting on someday. Someday I'm going to start praying. Someday I'm going to develop a prayer life. Someday I'm going to fast. Someday I'm going to forgive. Someday I'm going to let go of yesterday's failures. But you see, if you don't rise up one day and say, today is that day. And what if I fail? Well, what if you do fail? Well, just get back up and walk again. So what if you started out, but you didn't pray the next day? Then just pray again and say, Lord, I'm going to, I need you to help me because I got to get a starting point. I've got to get a starting point somewhere. There, there has to be a place that we begin. Amen. So I will tell you that while those that are waiting on that Sunday, while they wait on that Sunday, the most productive days of their life are slowly slipping away from them one day at a time. Amen. I'm going to tell you what a great and an effectual tool the enemy has to get us just to wait till tomorrow, or wait till next week, or wait till the next time, to wait till the next service. I'm going to tell you if you want something from God today, let today be the starting point. Don't take a chance that you'll be here Wednesday. Don't take a chance that you'll be here next Sunday. Amen. Say, Lord, today is going to be my starting point. December, this December day, this is going to be my starting point. Amen. It's not uncommon for at all for the beginning of an endeavor to begin with a certain measure of pain. And the beginning of most endeavors really looks nothing like what the end result is going to be. Uh, the beginning, uh, perhaps you may drive by a, a vacant lot and you see heavy equipment out there digging, uh, digging up a clay and hauling in dirt. And, and But somewhere on the front of the road is a big rendering of what's coming. What's coming there may be a multi-story building. What's coming there is all in four color. It's all beautiful. But when you look behind the sign, it, that's not what it looks like right now. You just got bulldozers and, and you got dump trucks and you got all kind of things that are hauling things away. Uh, are you hearing me? But it's a starting point. Somebody said, we're gonna to have to set the lines and we're gonna to have to make a benchmark and we're gonna to have to dig the footer and we're gonna to have to put everything in place. If we're gonna have the end, we've got to start somewhere. And so the cynic and the critic may walk by and say, well, that don't look like an apartment to me or that doesn't look like an office complex to me. Well, you just hang on. What you're looking at, sir, is just the starting point. And so we may look in the mirror and we think, ah, I'm a long way from where I want to be in God or I'm a long way from where I thought I would be in God. I want to tell you, just look back at the man in the mirror and say, you're just looking at the starting point. This is just the beginning, but I'm going to come back again tomorrow and I'm going to come back the next day and the next day and the next day. Hallelujah, because I understand, I understand that with every endeavor, there comes a measure of pain. With every surge forward, there comes a little bit of setback. With every step ahead, there comes just a little bit of wind of resistance. Yes. One writer aptly said, he said, everything of consequence begins with a little bit of pain. 
He said every new day begins in the darkness of midnight. You know when this morning started? You know when this beautiful morning started? This day that we're in? Oh yeah, the birds are singing now. The clouds are in the air now. We all feel good about being here this morning. But this day started at the stroke of midnight this morning. It was dark outside. It was foggy outside last night at midnight. It was a dreary and a dismal time. But I had hope. I had hope it's not going to end this way. I've got hope that this is just the starting point. This is just where we're beginning. In a little while, just give it a few more hours. In a little while, give that earth time to just rotate a little bit more on its axis. And that old sun on the eastern horizon, it's going to start peaking. And when it starts peaking, it's going to wake up God's creation. It's just the starting point. I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost, I feel that we can look around us and say, Lord, I didn't think this is where we would be in 2021. I didn't think this is where we would be in 2021. Well, before you hang your tool belt up and before you throw everything aside, I'm gonna remind you in the Holy Ghost today, we're just standing at a starting point. Hallelujah. We're just standing at the darkness of the midnight hour. Hallelujah. In just a few weeks, we are going to be celebrating, believe it or not, another new year, if the Lord wills. Amen. And then that new year, a time of newness, a time of freshness. But I will remind you that every new year begins its birth. It has its birth in the dead of winter. It has its birth in the gloom of winter. Every new year celebration is being is being celebrated. Every new year is being celebrated with leaves that have fallen off their limbs. Amen. With grass that is brown and bitten, bitten by frost and snow. Every new year. It doesn't look like a new year. Think about it now. It doesn't look like a new year but I'm going to tell you according to the calendar it says it's January the 1st and it's a new year. Well it doesn't I don't I don't really see life right now but just keep living. I don't really see any freshness right. Well just keep on living. Let's turn another page of the calendar and another page of the calendar and the grass is going to green up and the leaves are going to come back and the birds are going to be singing. Don't be fooled because we're standing at a starting point. Don't be fooled because we're just standing here at a starting point. Praise God. Every life, every plant that ever receives life only opens after the husk of the seed has been fractured. Got to be some dying out. What I put in the ground seems more broken right now than it did when I planted. I planted it whole. And if I watched it day by day by day, it's broken. But just hang on. It broke for a reason. That seed broke for a reason. It's going to have a shoot reaching for the sun, but it's going to have some other shoots that are reaching for the soil because this is just the starting point. There is generally some degree of struggle that's associated with every new beginning. And so I will tell you again, don't resist or don't resent the times of struggle. It's a real part of the journey. But in truth, some wonderful things can be born out of seasons of struggle. And that seems to be the emphasis of our text. The Bible says in the book of Micah, 
Though thou to Bethlehem, he said, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler of Israel. I know, I know according to the statistics, I know in the lineup you're just the smallest among all the thousands, but just hang on. There's something coming out of you. There's something coming out of you that is powerful. Amen. There for that Bethlehem. That Bethlehem was in the, it was, it's no mystery that it was in the middle of a wilderness. The surrounding landscape of, of, of uh, Bethlehem and the weather patterns designed, amen, it said this is going to be a place of little production just just get by the best way you can Bethlehem, maybe there were people that felt sorry for Bethlehem and maybe there were others that said sure don't want to live there because a farmer can't get a crop to grow and you can't do this because of the things that are going on, amen it's in the middle of this dry and arid desert, amen, where the wheat fields are not going to flourish and, and there's not going to be lush green vineyards there, no way could they ever boast of fine figs or delicate olives, or no way could they ever advertise how wonderful their grapes were. He meant around Bethlehem, it just wasn't conducive to growth. He meant it was near the Dead Sea, but you know what Bethlehem means? Bethlehem means the house of bread. He meant it means the house of bread, and so from this most unlikely place, this house of bread, I'm going to bring some great things. Hallelujah. Let's Let's clap our hands, can we, to the Lord. I'm glad, I'm glad for a place of beginning. Amen. Bethlehem found her itself not only to be fruitful in a place of the desert, amen, but it was at this juncture that some significant things happened. Long before the time of Jesus Christ, David had tended his flocks in the outlying area around Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the hiding place for some kings. Yet most, the most impressive thing about Bethlehem in our lives, amen, and certainly in this season, is not the thrones and it's not the royalty, but rather it was the stable and it was the manger. A Bethlehem, amen, a Bethlehem is present in the scope of every man. In the scope of every man and woman, there will be a Bethlehem. Things that are not what you think there should be are things that are not what you think they would be. Amen, it's a place where God enters our life, whether we have that spot reserved for him tonight or not or today or not God is going to enter into the Bethlehems of our life perhaps perhaps one of the most recognized statements about Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus is found in the writings of in the recordings of Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7 the Bible says in Luke 2 and 7 and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger and here's why underline it in your mind because there was no room in the inn because there was no room in the inn we're just we're right now in a season where we're going to see nativity scenes set up all around and dotting the landscape of our world and it's going to remind us that he's in that manger because there was there's no room in the inn. I will tell you that too many times in your life and in mine, Bethlehem has been crowded out with lesser guests. Lesser guests. Amen. Lesser guests were in the beds. Lesser guests were in the rooms. Amen. The man, the greatest of all, was now at the inn trying to check in. They're trying to bring him in, but no, there's not room here. There's not room here because other things. We've already let other people occupy the room. We've already 
already let other people occupy the bed. I want to tell you this morning, amen, God wants to come into our heart, but I pray that when he gets there, that the rooms are not already filled up with lesser things, that our schedule's not already filled up with lesser things. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, help us to realize I got to save some room. I got to save some room because there's some great things that are coming. Great things that are coming. Hallelujah. Mark, Mark chapter four and verse number 19 is a shocking passage of scripture, especially if you compare that to the first uh, if, if, to the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Whenever we open those blessed pages and we read these words, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. I know those were creation terms and a creation season, but I'm gonna tell you, that wasn't the only time God said Praise the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. When Moses was leading the children of Israel out and they were faced with an enemy on their backside and behind them and the Red Sea before them, the Lord said to Moses, take that, that rod it's in your hand. It was another time that God said. And when they got to the bitter water of Marah, it was the Lord and God said, take a branch and throw it and the water became sweet. Again and again and again, the power of the word of God and yet, the book of Mike, the book of Mark, chapter four, reminds us that there's one thing that can choke the word of God. Amen. One thing, and that's what Jesus said: the cares of life. I'm preaching to people this morning. Amen. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm preaching to people this morning that we're doing all we can to push back the cares of life. Amen. It's the cares of life that'll try to prevent you from being here Wednesday. But why don't you make up your mind right now? I'm going to be here. It'll be the cares of life. It'll try to keep you out of church next Sunday. But why don't you make up your mind right now? I'm gonna be here. It'll be the cares, the cares of life that'll try to choke out your prayer time. It'll be the cares of life that try to choke out your devotion time. I gotta make up my mind now. I gotta make up my mind now. Amen, I don't want somebody to occupy that room because there's a greater that's coming. I don't want lesser to take the place of the greater. I want to keep it open because there's a greater. There's a greater that's coming. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a greater. Amen. There's a greater that's coming. Amen. So if something as powerful as the word can be choked out by the cares of life, we better wake up and realize I don't want lesser to occupy the room if a greater is on its way. Amen. No room in the end because the end was full of lesser guests. Amen. I don't want my heart to be like the end in this narrative. I got to do everything within my power to make sure I've got enough room in my life for the important things. Amen. I got to make sure there's enough room in my life for the important things. Because you never know in this ugly beginning, you don't really know where the Lord's leading you to. The beginning may not be so pretty. The, be, the beginning may have, may have a lot of bumps. And the beginning may have a lot of raw spots, but you don't know where... God is leading you to. We were discussing this in my office before church. I, I just heard this uh, this week. Brother Everett Bird was already privy to it. But 
back in uh, July, I think it was this year sometime anyway, uh, July, that was the day before yesterday, right? <laughs> Earlier in the year, we had a young couple that was coming before the Florida District Board to receive their license, actually to, to upgrade their license to another level. And, and I think it was due to some traffic uh, concerns or whatever, they had to take a different route. And so here is this young lady and, and her husband, brother, this young man and his wife and family, and, and, and they have an appointment. They're coming to Ocala, and they had to take a different route. They had to take a back road. And, and they were coming down, and actually it's on the same road that the campground is on, just, a, just several miles north of there, is a ladies' department of correction, Lowell Correctional Institution. And so when they come riding down that road, she was just somewhat shocked and stunned because she said, the last time I was on this road, the last time I was coming down this road, I was on the Department of Corrections bus, and they were taking me to Lowell for me to serve my time. Amen. It was, it was a starting point. It didn't look like a starting point. Amen. This was real bad. She, she, she's got cuffs and she's shackled to the seat and, and, and this don't look like a whole lot and I'm sitting here and she's began to weep as she said in Brother Justin Rogers' office and shared her testimony she said I began to weep and cry as we're riding down that road and she said I remembered it took me back in time I remember being on that bus I remember being scared out of my mind I don't know where I'm going I don't know what is going to happen and she said but today I'm in the car and I'm married and I've got my family and we're on our way to get our ministerial life are you hearing me? Amen. The starting point. It didn't look like a much. <laughs> the starting point. It had blood and guts. The starting point. Oh, that starting point. But oh, 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 but see, God was taking her somewhere. God was going to take her somewhere. God was going to put something in her heart. Hallelujah. She's a minister's wife tonight, today. Are you hearing me? Amen. I say, Lord, don't let me occupy with lesser things when there's a greater thing coming. Oh Lord, let me get the lesser things out of my life because you may be bringing some greater things. You may be bringing some greater things. Oh, hallelujah. 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 My, my, my. You see, Bethlehem can be a place of mistakes. Can you stay with me a little while? Bethlehem can be a place of mistakes. Oh yeah, Bethlehem was a place where kings would reside, but it was also a place that was hampered, hampered by mistakes. Although David was one of the greatest kings of Israel, it was he that came out of this small community. And his greatest mistake would cause anyone to doubt Bethlehem's power. Bethlehem, that place we know so well, it's, it's that place where we live in day in and day out. Bethlehem, that's where we go to bed. Bethlehem, that's where we wake up. Yet Beth, Bethlehem, in all honesty, can be a place riddled by mistakes. Consider some of the mistakes that some of the greatest heroes of faith made. Noah got drunk. Abraham doubted. Isaac was untruthful and Jacob was dishonest and Joseph was prideful. Moses was, was disobedient. Simon Peter denied the Lord three times. Now, I'm not at all implying and suggesting that any of this is acceptable, but, and I will also tell you that these people paid a great price for, for their folly. But you see, God's hand is, is never tied and it's never bound by yesterday's failure. 
I mean, if we're waiting on perfection in order to have church, we better dismiss and get out of here right now, quickly as possible. There's not a single portion of our lives that, that are beyond the redemptive work of God's hands. We're here by the redemptive love of God. I've been redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. God never gives up on us. Aren't you thankful for that? And there is that constant divine attempt for God always to bring up, lift up, 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 up. They went down into Egypt, but God was leading them up out of Egypt. There's something about the past and the future of Bethlehem. There are two voices in our heart that work in two different ways. One, one voice is the voice of the past. Those are the, that is the voice that's always trying to get us to look back at the glory days. The voice of the past says things like, well, there'll never be another day like those days. But I'm here to tell you tonight, today, <laughs> I don't know why I'm stuck in the night. I'm here to tell you today, while I am very thankful and very humbled and very appreciative and I want to honor our past, friend, that is not where our best days reside. There's some wonderful days there. There's some glorious days. There's some days I don't ever want to forget there. Amen. I, I don't ever want to forget there. The other voice, the other voice in our heart is the voice of the future. Amen. That future is what Micah said. Though thou be little, yet out of you is going to come forth he. Amen. That's going to be the ruler of Israel. I know it don't look like much right now, but just hang on. I know you're struggling right now. I know that you think it's never going to happen. Amen. I want to tell somebody in this service again this morning that your best years are ahead of you and your past mistakes and your past failures, amen, do not rule what God has in store for your future. I've said it before, but I'm just going to tell you again, and if God will give me breath, I'll say it again, amen, that the greatest song has yet to be written and yet to be sang. The greatest message has yet to be laid on the heart of a, of a minister, and it is yet to be preached. Our best days are not behind us, but our best days are before us. Please don't mistake me for a cheerleader today, and please Please don't mistake this for a pep rally. I feel a divine power of God in my heart and on my mind this morning. Amen. We are not hung up in our past. I'm not going to live in my yesterday. I'm not going to live in what God has done. I'm going to turn my sights. I'm going to do what the Lord said to the children of Israel. You need to turn and go north. You need to turn. You come past this mountain long enough. You've thought about this long enough. Amen. You prayed about this long enough. You need to turn and go north because where you are is just a starting point. It's just a starting point. Praise God. Praise God. I've got some good news for you this morning. I'm about halfway done. Amen. Bethlehem can be a place of the unexpected. One of the last places you would have ever expected to be filled with the holiness of an almighty God would have been Bethlehem. Why? Because you see, Jerusalem was the holy city. Most people associated Bethlehem with things like government and politics and things of that. It was the home of Herod. And, but see, God sometimes uses things that create personal discomfort 
because he's trying to promote us. Amen. Maybe there's people here that don't mind packing and getting ready for the trip, but you're not looking at one right now. I say often, I don't mind, almost mind being anywhere. I just don't want to go. It's the process. If I could just blink and be there, <laughs> that'd be a wonderful thing. But all the packing and all the traveling, whether it's by car or air, whatever it is, the, by the time you get where you're going, it's almost chewed the sweet completely out of the trip. But you see, sometimes God has this personal discomfort because you're going somewhere. You're headed somewhere. Something God's going to do something in our life. And so God can use unexpected people and God can use unexpected tools. Yeah. Naaman was a leper. You, you know him. Naaman in the Old Testament, a leper. He didn't know what he was going to do. But God had the most unexpected voice in that of a little maid servant in their home that spoke quietly and said, I know where we can get help for this. From the most unlikely source, she said, you need to get to the man of God. <laughs> Amen. It was, it was Gideon. It was Gideon that the Lord found that most unexpected warrior hiding, hiding behind the threshing floor. It was Balaam's donkey that God used to speak words of reason. And when, when Simon Peter thought that surely the Lord was mistaken that he would never deny him. God prompted a rooster to do what roosters do. But it was far more than just waking up the morning. Simon Peter's head dropped and he went out and wept bitterly into the night. Amen. It was that limp in, in it was that limp in Jacob that reminded him every step that God blessed me and he changed my name. Amen. I, I, I don't know what the, the issue may have been and I, and I don't know if that, if that pained him in the night or I don't know if that's the first thing he felt in the morning. But you see, if it, if it was, just bear with me here, when Jacob stood up and that pain shot up his leg or his back, down his leg or up his back, whatever it may have been, he could have cursed that injury or he could have looked at himself in the mirror and said, good morning, Israel. Because of this, I've got a name change. Because of this, I'm not who I used to be. Amen. And so just keep dragging your leg, ladies and gentlemen. Just keep moving on because God is using you. Moses could have bemoaned his stuttering tongue, but you see, God used him in spite of everything that was wrong with him to lead a nation. I'll ask our musicians to come if they will. Bethlehem is a place of anointing. A place of kings, certainly place of mistakes, a place where unexpected things can happen, but Bethlehem is also a place of anointing. It was here that in the vicinity of Bethlehem that David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel, called from tending sheep. Your dad needs you. You need to come. Samuel's waiting on you. David was confronted by the old prophet in a horn of oil, the last thing in the world he expected that day. In the most humble surroundings, 
David stood and oil began to pour over his head. This is not where he thought it would take place or if he even dreamed it would happen. It's certainly not the setting for where kings are anointed. And from the beginning to the end of Scripture, anointing is a symbol of the communication of the Spirit of God. We talk about the anointing. That's not just a little church word. That's a very significant word. It's the oil that soothes the soul, and it's the oil that gives strength and stamina to the weary. Later in the life of David, when, when Saul's men were stalking him and he desired a, a, a drink from the wells of Bethlehem, he knew, David knew, that cool, refreshing water would come from those wells. And you see, from time to time, all of us have got to seek solace from the fight because we got to get back to Bethlehem. That's a place of renewal. Amen. It's a place of spiritual renewing. And that's why it's important, so important to make sure that we're just not running on empty. You can't run on empty. You can't run the risk of running on empty. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. And so if you're looking for a new beginning, there is a way. And it has been said many times that how a person starts is going to determine how they finish. Brother Everett Bird had no idea what I was preaching today and I had no idea the illustrations that he would use, obviously. But when he talked about the relay race, it's that last leg. That's the key. Doesn't mean those others aren't important. Doesn't mean those other runners are not significant. But that last runner and every handoff, critical. It's critical. And so I will say to us today that we are in a race. And it is critical when we're handing this message from one generation to another. It's critical. I want to make sure they got this in their hand, in their heart, in their head. Oh, because we don't want them to drop this a few paces in. Amen. I believe that it's very likely we're going to be a part of the rapture generation. If that be the case, that last person in this race is going to have to make up all the difference if there's some. We're going to have to run with diligence. We're going to have to make every step count. Every service matters. Every song weighs something. Every message matters. We can't just willy-nilly open the book. Well, what would you have me just put our finger down? Well, I'll just preach on that. No, somewhere we need to get between the porch and the altar and say, God, oh God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Now, that's what I say to the ministry and to our leaders, but let me say what I, something to the church. You can't just play all week long and come in at 1.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, and be ready for church at 10. Amen. So it was a lot more fun when we were talking about me, wasn't it? It was a lot, lot easier when we were talking about how prepared I need to be and how prepared our ministers and singers and, and, and musicians need to be 
But you can't just come slide in under the wire here on Sunday morning and say, oh, somebody revive me and somebody refresh me. You know what the leadership of every church needs? They need saints that are praying, God, touch our service. Touch our service. We need to start praying right now for our Wednesday night service. Lord, touch us. God, anoint us. God, anoint us. Amen. We don't need to drive away from here Wednesday before we're praying, God, anoint us Sunday. Dear Lord, touch us, touch us. Don't let the devil keep you distracted with just some kind of something that don't matter. Don't let the lesser occupy the room of the greater. And then when you get here, you find out all the rooms are full. All the rooms are full. Amen. I've read this before. I don't know this to be true, but I've read this before. It seems to make sense that especially in metropolitan cities and I'm sure to certain levels of hotels that they never sell every room because there could be an emergency and a dignitary that needs to come into town. And so somebody thought about it. That's right? No, no, okay. And uh, because somebody may need that in certain settings, certain settings. Amen, somebody, we gotta make sure, we gotta make sure. So I don't want the lesser... I don't want the lesser to have filled up all the rooms and then the greater gets in and I've got no room for the Lord. Amen. I wonder today if you would let the Lord touch your heart. I wonder if you'd let the Lord speak to us this morning. Let the power of the Holy Ghost move in our heart and our lives. Lord, I love you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.